Ion 2020, episode 213. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Ion 2020. Thank you for joining me for another week. It is Monday, and I'm bringing you a show that's actually going to be talking about stuff that happened last week. Well, a thing that happened last week, and I just wanted to talk to you guys about it because I thought it was interesting looking over. Like, I was just... I I heard that Donald Trump was coming to to South Carolina on Friday. Like, I live in Columbia, South Carolina, and they pretty much... Uh, they, I knew that like, he was coming into the airport, and they shut down some of the roads and things like that to get him over to uh, wherever he was going to be speaking at. So I just kind of wanted to look into that and see what his speech was about. Because I, I don't know. I mean, I follow the politics, and I follow all the different candidates. So if there's anything that ever makes the news, I try to follow it with them and see what they're saying. So when I was... Um, uh, on Friday afternoon, I think it was around like one, or, one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon, Donald Trump had given a speech to Benedict College, which is a historically black college in uh, in and around downtown South or downtown Columbia. And I was thinking to myself, wow, that's kind of odd that he would do that, considering that he's a complete racist and all, according to what the Democrats say. So I was just kind of curious as what to, what he had to say. I wanted to see uh, the the outreach that he was going to be doing, I guess, to the African-American community and just kind of see what they, what he was talking about. That's all. Um, so I ended up watching the speech over the weekend and it was an hour long. Uh, I know you guys would never do that. So that's what I'm here to do for you though, is to, uh, do the things that you won't do just so you can get the information that you want to get. And it's funny though, I look up the speech and then I just watched it on YouTube and then I was just looking at news articles about the speech, and I always look at, like, I always like to see the first source, like, the 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 first source, like, I, get, I like to see it, and then I'll form my own opinions, right? And then afterwards, I will read some of the news articles about it, and if you look at the headlines, it's as if he was talking, like, um, completely being racist, he was, it sounded, like, if you look at the headlines, he was talking bad about Obama the whole time and, you know, destroying Barack Obama's legacy with the African-American community. And you would think that he was just being completely just like some kind of racist bigot the entire time that he was at this historically black college. And then you look at the other headlines and it says, uh, Trump doesn't allow students to come out of their dorms during the speech and while he was on their campus and all that and then there was like only 10 african-american students showed up to the speech things like that and i was just kind of curious um when i was reading when i was listening to the speech i didn't get a lot of the things that they were saying in the headlines so obviously the headlines are trying to grab people's attention like the new york times was probably one of the worst on it where he where they were saying like um about Trump, like, uh, let me try to find the headline really fast, just because it's an interesting way that they framed it, and I was just like, 
why would they why would they say it like that you know um i can't find that i can't find that headlines but anyway so this was what the speech was basically about um he was receiving an award for criminal justice reform and the criminal justice reform bill that was passed a last i guess it was last year is when it was passed and so he went down to this rally at this HBCU, which is Benedict College, and uh, a lot of the articles that you read, it's like students were told to stay inside their dorms. That's what one of them said. And then it was saying that Donald Trump was bashing on Barack Obama's legacy and trampling on Barack Obama's legacy at an HBCU. And I, like I said, I did not get any of that from there. And the fact of the matter is that I'm pretty sure, and I, you guys know I'm not a, water carrier for Trump by any means. I just like to look at articles and I like to see what the press is saying and how it's framed and then judge it based upon what I observed as well. And that's what I was doing in this situation here. So I watched this video and then I look at the news stories and see what they're saying. And it just seemed like it was just framed in a way that was um, obviously negative towards Donald Trump. And I didn't get anything negative from it. He was receiving a the, just an award. That's all. From there was actually a group of twenty Democrat African Americans and twenty Republican African Americans that got together and formed some organization that was going to uh, look at like try to push criminal justice reform at the national level, and it turned out that Donald Trump was able to um, pass that through last year. So they were giving the they were giving the guy an award and. He went to this award ceremony, and it was the normal thing that you would see. Uh, he does all the thanks to the to the um, Benedict College. He thanks every senator that showed up there. He thanks uh, Tim Scott and you know every other. I think there was two senators from South Carolina that showed up there. A bunch of Congress people, Henry McMaster, who's the governor of South Carolina, and just like a bunch of people, and they do all that stuff because obviously the people that are there that are that are elected officials, they want to be recognized on national TV in the spotlight so they can look like they're better than they really are. So obviously he goes to the, obli- the, the obligation that he has is to do all that thinking and stuff like that. And I think for like the first 20 minutes or so, that's all Trump did was thank different people and thank this great college and thank this great state and da-da-da-da-da, you know? And then... At that point, he starts talking about the criminal justice reform side of it and saying that he was happy that we were able to all get together and do criminal justice reform. It's very important for the African-American community and minority communities and also all, through, all throughout America. And then he says on the state level, so we did it on the federal level, and then on the state level, a lot of the states are starting to follow suit with criminal justice reform. And everything else. I mean, there was nothing too crazy going on at all. It was just a normal speech in the beginning. And then he gets up there when he's doing the speech and uh, he gives out, he brings two people up who had benefited from the criminal justice reform, the First Step Act. The first one was like an African-American lady who I don't know how long she was in prison for. I think she said she was in prison for 16 years, and then she got released through the First Step Act. And she gave a very nice speech. 
nothing negative towards the president or anything like that. Just saying that she's thankful that this happened and, you know, what she's hoping for the future for the criminal justice reform and stuff. And it was just a really nice speech. She spoke for like five, maybe six minutes or so. And then she gave the president a hug, stepped down, and then uh, Donald Trump starts talking about how his America First policy was something that is going to help create jobs. It's just going to help inmates when they get out of prison so they could get their first step. They could get jobs. And when you have a great economy and when things are moving forward in the economy, you're going to have those jobs waiting for people. Even though you have a criminal record, you're going to have an easier time getting a job because there's more jobs out there. So he did that, and then he brought another guy up who um, was a, I guess he was a master barber or something like that. It was pretty funny. Um, Donald Trump actually, you know, made fun of himself. He says, oh, a master barber, great, finally I can get a good haircut, um, which I thought was pretty funny. I mean, you don't see very much humor coming out of Donald Trump ever. Like, the guy's not a very funny guy, and uh, that was pretty humorous, you know. Um, he said, and he said to the guy, I need you to take a look at my hair. That's probably the most important thing you could do when you get up here. Um, but anyway, the guy gave a good speech and all that. And then at the end of that speech, Donald Trump said something that I think you guys would be interested in. And that's what I wanted to kind of talk about. That's what I want to talk about today was on top of the whole, um, the speech, because it kind of tells where he's at right now with regards to wars and stuff. And I think it's a pretty good, it's a pretty important thing that you know where, like you know where he's at with, with all this. But I think a lot of it's just talk. Believe me on that. Um, but he's saying this in front of like, like Lindsey Graham was there, and you guys know Lindsey Graham is the biggest warmonger in the world, and all that. Um, but he says this. He says on criminal justice reform, trade and economy, and so much else. Our America first uh, agenda is focused on expanding opportunity for citizens of every race, color religion and creed now this is the important part for decades politicians of both parties calling out both parties not just the democrats but republicans which is kind of unusual for a republican to do but i think donald trump is usually outside that fray in some ways which i think is probably a good thing um but anyway but he still has a lot of control over him from those parties and stuff like that as well or from the republican party but anyway it says for decades politicians from both parties put their own interests ahead of your interests and put the interests of foreign nations ahead of the nation or ahead of the interests of our nation. Our leaders spent $8 trillion on wars in the Middle East, but they allowed our great cities to fall into tragic decay and disrepair. For the cost of one year of war in the Middle East, we could have given scholarships to every child at every inner city school in America and had tremendous numbers of dollars left over. Politicians drained America's wealth, policing ancient tribal conflicts overseas while leaving generations of African-American children trapped in falling, failing government schools and in failing inner cities. The same Washington establishment enacted ruinous trade policies that shuttered our factories and shipped our jobs to far away countries. More than half, of, more than half a million African-Americans lost good-paying manufacturing jobs after the twin disasters of NAFTA and China's entrance into the World Trade Organization, that was a bad day. At the same time, lawmakers, corporations joined forces to push immigration policies that hurt Americans 
uh, working class of all backgrounds. Many politicians fight harder in Congress for illegal immigrants than they do for United States citizens. Then they get a big applause to that. My administration will always put American communities first on issue after issue. <clears throat> after issue, politicians raked in cash from special interests while selling out our nation's workers and our nation's great families. Under this administration, the great betrayal of American workers is over. After years of rebuilding, then I guess applause. Thank you. After years of rebuilding foreign countries, we are finally rebuilding our country, renewing our cities, and securing our neighborhoods and protecting our own forgotten communities. And then someone yells, "America, make America great!" And then the president says, "All my life, that's right. Make America great." I couldn't have said it better. Thank you, darling. But anyway, so. What I was focusing in on is the fact that he said our leaders, nobody's ever said this. I mean, Barack Obama never said this. George Bush obviously would never say anything like this. But it says, our leaders spent $8 trillion on wars in the Middle East, but they allowed our great cities to fall into tragic decay and disrepair for the cost of one. So he's talking about the cost of being $8 trillion and that it's out of control, you know? And he says, America's wealth, or politicians drained Americans' wealth policing ancient tribal conflicts overseas while leaving generations of African-American children trapped in failing government schools. But he's bringing up the cost of these wars and stuff, and I think that that's, um, that's a good thing that he did that. I think that, I, th- I honestly think it's going to speak well to the people that were there. Now, if you read the news, you assume that there's only like 10 people in the audience. I think there was 300 or so. Um, but I I wonder if he's just trying to outreach to the African American community. But but the thing like the thing that struck me was that he was bringing up the wars and stuff like that, and spending all the spend, spending that's been done, and the fact that the both parties have kind of been okay with sending the troops to war and spending all that money over there. Um, now he hasn't done much to get us out of those wars. Like, there's a lot of talk, but there's not a lot of action, which I think sucks. Uh, it really f- infuriates me, actually, that, you know, there's so much talk and little action. Um, I hope that his heart is in the right place, and it seems like it is. Um, so I, I, I've always supported Donald Trump on that, if he's going to do that, you know? But it was just interesting the way that the, the press framed it, because they didn't talk anything about a lot of the stuff that he mentioned in this thing they just brought up the fact that he supposedly dissed Barack Obama in like one line he said I've done her African Americans are doing way better under my administration than they did under previous administrations um and then he said something about I can't remember exactly the way that he put it but he said something to the effect of um even under the previous president right and that's not really dissing Barack Obama by any means. That's just stating where we're at right now in America. And and uh, he brought up like the idea that, and I don't know if this is true. I'd love to see the real statistics. I'd love to see the information that he's getting, the facts, that, where he's getting his facts at, what he said that. But I heard, I've, I have actually heard a statistic like this before, though, that under George Bush, I think eight years, American average income has gone up by like, went up by like 500 bucks under, uh, I think it was under uh, Barack Obama for eight years, the average median income went up by like $1,000. And then under under uh, Donald Trump, 
the average median median income or family income has gone up by like $9,000. I don't know if that's really true or not. It's hard to tell, but he was bragging on that. And he was also talking about like black unemployment or African-American unemployment, African-American youth unemployment and things like that being at the lowest levels ever. Um, And then he said something like that he can run on those things. And he says, I don't know how anyone's going to be able to beat me any of the other people are going to beat me when I start throwing out those statistics like that, you're going to have to vote for me because of, you know, because of where we're at. Uh, that only holds if the economy is doing well in November when people do actually go to vote or when he's actually going to get on those sta- that stage in front of the audience and start doing these debates. Like, he'll be able to throw those statistics out there if that is still holding true. But... If those numbers are true, then he does have a case to be made. And I'm wondering if that's the case that he's going to try to make to different African-American groups when he goes to like different venues and different meetings and stuff like that. So then what I started doing is this. If he is trying to reach out to African-Americans, if he is trying to do that, then this is a good place to start, I would imagine, because criminal justice reform is something that does affect a lot of people in America, especially when you have like... 50% of the population in prisons are African-American, right? So that is a good place to start. It is a good place to give them hope. Um, or people within those communities, I guess, hope. In the lower-income communities, I would imagine, is where most of those people would... Not most of the African-Americans, but most of the people that he's speaking to that are dealing with like criminal justice reform issues. They might be in like lower-income communities. So he can go in there and talk about that stuff if they are starting to feel good about the economy and stuff and that's a good thing for him he'll be able to speak to those people but um i think that he's going to try to make an outreach to african americans based upon that i don't know if it's going to help though i heard that eight percent of african americans voted for donald trump and i guess the it must have been the other 92 percent of african americans that voted ended up voting for hillary clinton I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's a statistics based upon all African Americans or just the ones that voted. But I did read that statistic. So if it is, I assume that it would of the African Americans that voted, eight percent of them voted for Donald Trump, right? That's a pretty low number. Mitt Romney got seven percent under and he was going as Barack Obama. Who so you'd think Donald Trump going as Hillary Clinton would get more of the African-American vote than uh, than Mitt Romney, but I would think a lot more. So, But they were calling him racist from the beginning and stuff, so I wonder if that affected it also. But then again, now, that's today, 17% of African-Americans have a favorable view of Donald Trump. So... 8% voted for him, 17%, and that would probably be on the whole, right? So if you have 17% of African Americans that have a favorable favorable view, I wonder if that's asking people who are registered voters if they have a favorable view, or if it's just in general when they're doing these surveys. But I know that's what Rasmussen uh, said, is that 17% have a favorable view of Donald Trump. That's a really low number also. You gotta remember thirty I think it's like thirty nine percent or maybe forty percent have a favorable view of him overall. And he are, he has low numbers as it is. So 
I wonder if that's uh, going to start going up, though. If he's starting to make an outreach to the African-American community, and I've heard a couple of articles back in like August and September that said that he is, then, that's, uh, then that might help him to get reelected. I don't know. And it kind of goes along with who the Democrats decide to go for, like decide to um, be their nominee as well. Like if it's going to be Pete Buttigieg or someone that's not really strong within the African-American community, then probably not. But if it's going to be Biden, then yes, uh, it probably won't help Donald Trump too much reaching out to the African-American community. But, oh, there was one thing that he said during the speech as well. And I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, he kind of harkened back to way back when when he was running. And he said, back then, I said, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose about African-Americans voting for him? Because the de- he was saying the Democrats left you behind under different administrations the, you know, you haven't been better off. And this was back in 2015. And he says, you might as well vote for me. I mean, what do you have to lose? I don't know if you guys remember him saying that way back when. But then he starts going over all of his numbers, right? And then he said, uh, essentially, look, we need four more years. Because, like I said, what do you have to lose? Well, now things are going good. So you got to vote for me, you know, for four more years. And it was an interesting point, because if those numbers are in fact true, and if they do stay true until 2020, then most likely he's going to have the ability to make that argument. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, not, I'm, I'm very terrible at predicting things. I just think it's interesting that he was reaching out to the African-American community during this speech. I think it was interesting the way that he went about it, and I did not get too much of a negative impression from the speech, and I actually liked the fact that he brought up the idea that we're spending all this money overseas, like trillions of dollars overseas on these foreign wars, and we shouldn't be. It should be invested at home. Now, you guys know how I feel about investing it at home as well. I don't think we should be spending the money overseas, and I would say the government doesn't be spending all that money at home also but let's just I, I i've always said this man let's get out of the wars and then we'll talk about the rest you know like we'll have trillions of dollars sitting back like that's not being spent over there and then let's you and me get up there and push people towards a conservative view of spending you know let them realize that it's not just government money it's taxpayer money and it needs to be used wisely and mostly given back to the people because the people are going to spend it better. But at least he's talking about it. At least he's saying that on a public stage. At least he is making that a main point of his conversation. And uh, somebody once said, or somebody said it the other day on a Facebook group that Tulsi Gabbard was all talk, you know, but then again, Ron Paul was all talk in that sense also. Do you know that? But all that talk led to a lot of people following Ron Paul. All that talk has led a lot of libertarians and other people to like Tulsi Gabbard. So I'm okay with talk, you know? So if Donald Trump is going to talk about it, at least they'll start to change public opinion about these wars also. And I think that's a good thing. We need to keep those things front and center. And you need to support them when they do it when they say the right thing so 
Uh, but yeah, but if you looked at the news articles, man, this guy got up there and he just heckled black people the entire time he was up there and just uh, told them how bad Barack Obama was and how great I am and, um, you know, and and he didn't invite anybody to come watch him because uh, he knew that he'd be, he'd be um, heckled out of there or something. I mean, that's what you would think by reading the headlines on these news articles, but that's not what I got from it. And uh, it actually, if you were someone that actually went to this event and you started reading these articles as well, you might think to yourself, huh, the press sure is dishonest in the way they're doing it, but it's all clickbait. They know, and I've actually read this before, people are more likely to click on an article that says something negative about Donald Trump than than one that says something positive about Donald Trump. And it's the same thing with conservatives and Republicans. They're more likely to click on a article that's negative about Hillary Clinton than positive about Hillary Clinton, right? So because of that, every article that's written nowadays about anything in politics is going to have a negative connotation with Donald Trump, even if the article's not about Donald Trump. It'll have a negative connotation in that about somewhere in there about Donald Trump in the headline. They'll try to they'll try to um, link Donald Trump into it some way so they can make that on the headline. And it's just crazy that they do that, but it's because it's clickbait. It gets people to click on that particular article, which then leads to, I guess, more more revenue through the through the. Um, advertisers and stuff but so that's why you see the negative articles and stuff like that the negative headlines like i've read so many articles where you click on it and it'll it'll be really grasping at straws trying to link donald trump to that particular situation and i wish i had an example specifically but in this situation with this article and this speech I just didn't see anything negative, and I just thought it was more of an outreach to the African American community. Um, and then he had some policy suggestions in there as well, but that was it. And it's the same stuff that you hear all the time: America first policy. We need to fix immigration. It's another, you know, all the stuff that he normally says. There was nothing too much different. I thought it was interesting that he brought like the two people on stage because I don't think that they planned on coming on stage. But he brought like those two people that were uh, helped through the criminal justice system with this criminal justice reform bill. It, he brought them on stage to talk. And uh, that was interesting he did that. I think it was unexpected by them, but um, it got some good. I mean, it got him off the stage, obviously, and it probably uh, helped them to like him a little bit better. So who knows? But that's what I got for you guys today. I appreciate you coming out and joining me every day, Monday through Friday. Um, I've been looking and looking and looking for more libertarian stuff to talk about, like libertarian candidates, libertarian things. Let me know if you have anything that I could talk about with regards to that. If you know of a candidate that's running, just email me, ray at com. Let me know about it. I'd love to be able to do a thorough conversation about those people because I'm kind of tired and I'm kind of burning out on talking about Democrats all day. I'm burning out on talking about Donald Trump all day. Like, every single day I have those two. I'm talking about the Republicans and the Democrats. And let's be honest, if you're a libertarian, you don't want to listen to that tough 
that stuff all the time. That's why I try to link some libertarian concepts into these things in these conversations as well, as much as I can. So if you think there's like a libertarian out there that might be running, or you know, someone that might be running, let me know. Uh, I'd like to do a lot of research on those people, maybe um, email them and get them to send me a little write up on themselves. Uh, I don't know if I'll start doing interviews or anything like that. Cause I just don't, I'm just not set up for doing interviews right now. Um, but we'll see maybe down, maybe down the road in the future. This week, I might not be doing very long shows. You can hear it in my voice right now, I'm sure. I'm very froggy, and the reason why is because I have a sore throat. So depending upon how things go, hopefully I'll have a show for you tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. Uh, That is my goal, but if not, um, please forgive me, but I am coming down with something. It's uh, fall, and you know how it is. You start getting flu. Like cold and flu season, and I have two kids, and they bring all kinds of gunk home from school, I'm sure. So, um, anyway, but bear with me if that's the case, all right? But yeah, uh, I'll be doing this show Monday through Friday until November. So, keep on joining me. You can do that by subscribing to the show. I am the Empire.com is the website. I am the Empire on Facebook, on Twitter as well. And then, if you want to support the show, you can do that at the website or at anchor.fm slash ion2020. Email me if you have anything that you want to say. Tell me about your life. Tell me about your stories about what you're doing for the libertarian movement. Uh, and if you want me to read it on, read about it or read it on the show, I'll do that as well. Uh, so anyway, come on back tomorrow, though, and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year. But even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First Year in Sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.